0: It's time for the Brew and Shavers Sports Podcast. Coming at you every week to talk all the things that make us love
1: sports. The games, the rivalries, and of course, the personalities. We are stoked that you are listening. Uh, We believe that you're more than listeners. Uh, To quote Brian Kelly, you're family. And we're glad that you're listening to us. Absolutely. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Brew and Shaver Sports Podcast, where today we are talking about coaches who are finding creative ways to discuss the officiating without (laughs) directly saying anything so they don't get fined. We're talking about the SEC championship game, which is set Georgia versus LSU December 3rd. The Big 12 championship, Darren, that's still up in the air. We know TCU's going to be there, but who else might be
0: there? Who are they going to play? And, you know, Georgia-LSU, it's exactly as we called it, right? That's the SEC championship everybody had in mind, right? (laughs) Anybody that tells you
1: that, you go back
0: and look at all their social media
1: posts. (laughs) They're just not telling the truth.
0: And anybody that is telling the truth, man, I hope they put money on it Mm because that has to be a payday. I don't know what the numbers are, but that's got to be a payday.
1: Yeah, as a fellow LSU fan shared with me the other day, said I got good news and bad news. The good news is... We're going to the SEC championship game. The bad news, we're playing Georgia.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Congratulations.
1: (laughs) We also have news uh, in the Big 12 where Shane Lyons, the athletic director at West Virginia, is out officially Mm. as of Monday, which... Raises some questions about head coach Neil Brown's status. We know he's been on the hot seat. Maybe bought some more time with that victory over Oklahoma this past weekend, but it's not looking very good.
0: Unless you are extremely successful, one of the first things that's going to happen, no matter who you are and no matter where it is, an AD comes in and they want everyone on staff, especially when you look at football, basketball, in today's world, maybe even baseball, as soon as possible, they want it to be their hire. So Neil Brown, my guess is, has probably opened up the Word document and it's probably already freshening up the resume because I think everybody would kind of see that. It would be surprising. I mean, he'd have to do some incredible things for the, throughout the remainder of the season for that not to be the case, I think.
1: I believe they have to win out to become bowl eligible. Yes, correct. So he's on the verge of yet another losing season.
0: Which, even if it weren't changing ADs, gives reason. In today's college football climate, that's not going to go well. On the flip
1: side, the opposite side of the spectrum is Jim Mora, who at UConn in his first year has the Huskies bowl eligible for the first time since golf clap, first time since 2015. What an incredible job by Jim Mora.
0: You know... I remember us talking about that hire when it happened. I don't think either one of us did backflips, no. but, hey, you know what? Good for him and good for UConn because, man, that's a that's an awesome thing. Two weeks ago,
1: Liberty goes into Fayetteville, upsets Arkansas. Good Then gracious. last week, UConn, coached by Jim Mora, beats Liberty. Yep. So if Hugh Freeze thought he was in the running for the Auburn coach, he may just have eliminated himself.
0: I, you know, that's really amazing that you come out of that Arkansas game and it's just a matter of not if Hugh Freeze is going to be hired but who? Mm-hmm. Who's going to be the one that pulls the trigger and most likely brings it back to the SEC? Now, are people still jumping? UConn is having a better season than normal, but still. You don't expect that kind of loss. You're top 25. You've upset an SEC school, and then you lose to a school that has not been eligible for seven years. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a tough look. It doesn't help things for yeah. sure. Yeah. We have
1: tragedy to report out of the University of Virginia. Perhaps you've already mm-hmm. seen this. Three players on the football team were shot and killed. And we want to mention their names uh, Lavelle Davis Jr., Devin Chandler, and Deshaun Perry. And our thoughts and prayers go out to their family. But definitely, we've got to do better as a society where we realize that life is precious. Yes. And find healthier ways to deal with our anger and our mm-hmm. hostility mm-hmm. and whatever it is that's going on. This is just. We talked about it before off the air. We've got to do better. Um, yes, the, the idea that someone would pick up a gun and mm-hmm. out of anger go and take someone's life it is just wrong on so many levels. And I know there's a lot of debate about what the the answer is for that. And I, we're a sports talk show. Right. We're not a we're not a political show. But somewhere along the line, we've got to figure out. You know, in, in football games when. You got two teams going at it hard as can be, but most of the time, when you see a player get injured, nobody wants to see that happen.
0: And, and everybody's on a knee. It's a respect right. thing.
1: Everybody's on a knee because we know that you know that's a privilege to be able to play. Absolutely. That that life is precious, and and we've got to we've got to have that that attitude in every facet of our yep. lives. So deeply deeply sorry for what's happening at the University of Virginia for these families who are grieving right now and it just it's hard to put into words
0: Like you said we don't get into a lot of different things because we are a, a, a sports podcast but but you know one of the things that that's awesome about playing sports uh, if if that is a path that you choose in life is is it teaches so many life lessons and, and you know you would hope one of the things that can be learned in the sport of football specifically since that's what we're talking about, is the things you hear coaches talk about all the time. When you win, you celebrate it, but you move on because you've got got another job to do. You've got something else to accomplish the next week, whether it be another game or whatever it is. And when you lose, you don't get lost in that moment and let it take out everything else that happened. You treat it the same way, And, and that life skill of whatever is going on in the moment there is a next step. There is a tomorrow. There is something else. You would hope that would translate. Obviously, in this circumstance, it didn't, whatever it was that was going on. But but that's one of those things that, that you would hope would happen. You're just like, as we talk about trying to do better, that's something we have to teach in everyday life, not just in sports, that there is something next, no matter the circumstance.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And Whatever your conflicts are, um, at the end of the day, we we are united in our humanity. Absolutely. And um, life is precious. Yes. Well, I know there's no easy way to make a segue from that, that really heavy, heavy news. But we're going to segue into picking our college football teams, the top four uh, in the playoffs. This will come out later tonight, but right now... Here are the teams that Darren and I are picking. And I think we're almost united on every pick, but there's one difference. So number one, I think we both have Georgia. Yes,
0: absolutely. And I don't know <laughs> I don't know how you don't. <laughs> I mean, at this point in the season, there's just not a whole lot to say. They are Georgia. You see what they do every single week. Georgia is number one. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I think that's pretty clear. Here's where we we have a, a little different. Difference of opinion. I have Michigan as my number two. You have Ohio State as your number two.
0: And so I'm assuming that you have Ohio State as three? Is yes. that, those are, and, and you know what? Again, don't know how you can argue that either way. Is Michigan deserving of a number two? Sure. Because the bottom line, ultimately, we're just playing put the pieces where you think they, they are today because they're not really going to fall until Ohio State and Michigan. And unfortunately for them, when that game happens – whoever's on the losing end of it is five or lower. I, I don't think the loser of that game makes the playoff.
1: You're right. Whoever loses the Ohio state Michigan game yep. is going to fall out. When you look at the overall big 10 schedule, it's there's just no way it's just, it's not, not up there. No. So for number four, we, we both have TCU TCU remains unbeaten. They went into a hostile environment in Austin pulled out a, a victory and yep. a very difficult place to play. So I have a hard time knocking them out of that top four.
0: I agree. They've definitely done nothing to lose that spot. Unfortunately, just like we were talking about it with Ohio State-Michigan, that loser will not be in it. I think TCU has to win out. Mm -hmm. They have to win the next two weeks. They have to win the Big 12 Conference Championship, and they have to be sitting there on Selection Sunday undefeated, or I think they will be knocked out. I think if Kansas State surprises them in the championship game, then I don't think a one-loss TCU gets in. Uh, unfortunately for them. But for right now, they're undefeated number four, and I think as long as they stay undefeated, I think that's where they'll stay. And
1: there's a slim chance we could have three SEC teams. Very remote, but here's my thinking. Let's say, okay, you're going to eliminate the loser of Michigan and Ohio State. Right. And then let's say TCU loses. Right. Let's say, incredibly, LSU somehow squeaks by Georgia. Yep. I think, because right now my number five is Tennessee and my number mm-hmm. six is LSU. Yeah, And Tennessee wins out. Mm-hmm. I think you put Tennessee, you put LSU, you've got to put the SEC champ in there. Yes. And then Georgia, I don't think with that one loss, eliminates them from the top There's four. There's no way. So there There's is no a way. remote possibility we could have three.
0: And with the Pac-12, who none of us at least on this podcast, think there's a reason to ever put them in the top four to begin with. But even if there are those that don't see it that way and think that there's room for a Pac-4 team in that final four, they're pretty much knocking themselves out of it. Oregon losing and all. You know, a two and three loss Pac-12 champion? No way that they get in. I think an LSU that has those resume wins and beats Georgia has to be in. Georgia has to be in. And when you start talking about two- and three-loss teams all over the place, outside of Ohio State, TCU, and then Tennessee, they're at one loss. If those are your three one-loss teams, I think you make a fair case that Tennessee is that fourth team that sneaks in. I don't yep. think that's unreasonable
1: at all. No, no not at all. And, and the push for Pac-12 teams, UCLA drops to Arizona yep. this past week. Oregon loses to Washington. Yep. We can eliminate those teams Absolutely. right there. Yeah. Um, USC, I, I'm still not sold on them. Looking at their schedule,
0: and I think even with the law, UCLA's wall, loss this weekend, there's still a chance that they sneak up and beat USC. That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. And and that that looking ahead to that game may have been
1: a factor in them losing yeah. to Arizona. Yeah. So who knows? So those are our playoff predictions. We'll see how we did when the uh, the official teams are announced later tonight. So let's go into our three takeaways from this past week. Darren, what was your first takeaway?
0: First things first, my first takeaway are going to be all about first. How's that? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Very catchy. (laughs) So this weekend really honestly was quite a few firsts. For starters, you know, the very first thing I'm going to mention is Vanderbilt coach Clark Lee. How how many minutes are we into this? You know what? I think you're just now mentioning Vanderbilt. How much discipline does that show? Let's be honest. Because I wanted to start off singing Dynamite. That was going to be the very (laughs) first thing, but I decided not to. But Vanderbilt and Coach Clark Lee got their first SEC win in 26 games. It was their first. SEC road win in over 30 games, and it was the first SEC win of his coaching career. So that's awesome. A whole lot of firsts there. Very excited about that, and... Syracuse, these go through these very quickly. Syracuse became the first team ever in ACC history to start the season 6-0 and then lose their next five games. It's never happened before in in the ACC. Texas A&M this week became the first school ever to have a top-ranked recruiting class and then the next season have a losing season. It's never happened before in college football. And Brian Kelly and Sonny Dykes this weekend – solidified their spot in their conference championships during their first season as head coaches of their respective schools. So pretty cool weekend of first. And I don't know if I mentioned this, but Vanderbilt won their first conference game in 26 games. Yeah. I just I just wanted to mention that one more yeah. time. Just, to...
1: I think every Vanderbilt fan should have been in church the next Sunday morning.
0: <laughs> there were plenty, thank I'm thank sure. Thanking the Lord for that. <laughs> Well, my first takeaway
1: from the week, going to uh, Auburn, and that is Carnell Cadillac Williams. Uh, how about him first win as the interim coach yep. with a mess that's Auburn this season, beating Jimbo Fisher? I, I don't think there's any pretty way to any positive, like, let's find the silver lining here for a and right, right. like, It was just a bad loss. Yep. Of course, I remember Cadillac Williams. What a great player. He Uh, was 2004 All-American. And I love the energy. I think that's what Auburn needed. I Mm -hmm. don't believe that he is going to be a finalist for the head coaching position. Right. But I think it would be good for Auburn, the leadership there, to keep him on that staff. Yep. Absolutely. uh, Because he... He loves that university. He's played for that university. He's given his sweat, his blood, his tears. It was obvious with the excitement. You, you got to keep a guy like that around. Yep, absolutely. So, and I, I hope they'll do that. But congratulations to uh, to Cadillac Williams on that first win. A, a second takeaway I had: it, We're going to stay in the state of Alabama. And I've said before, I believe Nick Saban is is the greatest coach that that we've seen. Um, probably for the last 20 years, but I'm seeing things from Alabama that I do not remember seeing from Alabama in the past. Mm-hmm. A, a lack of discipline, and Saban does not appear to be addressing it the way that he used to in the past. Right. From the, um, I, I lost his name, the player, I think is a receiver from Alabama, hitting mm-hmm. the the woman in Knoxville, in Knoxville? after Tennessee. Yep. You know, anytime a, a, a guy lays a hand on a woman, that should be an automatic suspension. Right. Absolutely. I, I don't care what the woman did, you don't put your hands on a woman. Absolutely, that really caught me off guard. I thought, well, Saban is—he's he, going to take care of this. Yep. But then to listen to him explain it away, well, I got his side of the story, right. it, you
0: know, and and gave the we're going to handle internally. That right, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. which means yeah, I'm going to do nothing. Um, we're going to make him run a little extra right. in practice. Exactly. Uh, and then in the Ole Miss game, particularly Dallas Turner, one of the defensive ends. I guess that's he's a D, defensive end, or they have classified as a linebacker number mm-hmm. fifteen. But one of the worst if not the worst face mask penalty I've ever seen, where he just ripped off Jackson oh, Dart's yeah. helmet. And I sat there thinking, how is this less severe than targeting? He yeah. literally spun his head all, almost all the way around. I was expecting to see pea soup come out of Jackson Dart's mouth. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, But then there was another time after a a sack where he pushes Jackson Dart once in the back, and then he gets up and pushes down again. That's not the Alabama that I've seen. As much as I root against them... Saban has run a good, clean program, but there seems to be little cracks. I, I, I'm really bothered by this. I, I don't know if you are or anybody else is. It yeah. may just be me.
0: Yeah, and, and I'm in total agreement. It's not what we expect when we see a Sabin coached Alabama team. Mm-hmm. My second takeaway is, goodness gracious, Harold Perkins Jr.
1: <laughs> Say goodness gracious again. <laughs>
0: I mean, have mercy. Harold Perkins Jr., a freshman linebacker, this time last year was playing high school football, has stepped onto the SEC stage and said, here I am, you better take note. Just this past week alone, tied the school record for four sacks in a game, would have broken another school record with three forced fumbles in a game, but one of those was counted as an incomplete forward pass, so he only had two. Wah, wah, wah. Poor mm-hmm. Harold Perkins Jr. only had two. Eight tackles, six of which were solo, and he did all of this while having the flu. Mm-hmm. Now, you add that into the season totals, which puts him at 52 total tackles, 25 which are, are solo, seven and a half sacks, two forced fumbles and interception. That is a freshman campaign. Absolutely incredible. Man, that guy has made everyone in the SEC set up and pay attention. Uh, Just no doubt about it. What an incredible, incredible freshman year he's having.
1: A phenomenal, phenomenal start for, yep. for Harold Perkins. You know he initially committed to AM, decommitted, mm-hmm. came to LSU. What what a great pickup for the Tigers. Yes,
0: absolutely. Um, how about your number three? I'm going to do another individual player, and I am not just asking this of Vanderbilt, who will be playing Tennessee in a couple of weeks. I'm asking this of all of the SEC. Can someone please figure out a way to cover Jalen? Hyatt. (laughs) That dude has 1,600 yards, 99 receptions, 16.3 yards per reception. So literally every time he touches the ball, it's a first down and a half. More than a first down and a half and 19 touchdowns. Yet when you watch the Missouri game, and this is not just a bag on Missouri, it's happened every single game. You got to give absolute props to Josh Heupel, And the offensive scheme and the way the plays are drawn up. So you cannot deny that. But it is amazing how at least once a game, sometimes twice, two or three times a game, you see Jalen Hyatt running down a sideline like the other team doesn't know he's on the field. He's just throwing up his hand. Hey, guys, over here, I'll take it. And it's an easy pitch and catch. And he ends up, you know, I think his longest reception of the year is like 76 yards. But he's had several 20-plus yard receptions, and it just blows my mind that that guy can ever be anything other than double covered. So Mm. somebody, Vanderbilt, in two weeks, please figure out a way to at least make the guy fight for the football Mm. (laughs) every once in a while. That'd be great. What's your third takeaway? Yeah, I'm going to go
1: with Texas. Longhorn fans, Texas is not back. You've got four losses on the season. Stop pushing a narrative (laughs) that does not exist. You're third in the Big 12. As of right now, unless something drastic changes, you're not even going to play in the Big 12 championship game. So you had a great opportunity. You had TCU at home. You had primetime TV, a great opportunity to to show, and and you didn't. So let's just stop the Texas is back (laughs) narrative. And next time you win a bowl game that is not a national championship game, no, you're not back. You won a bowl game.
0: Well said. Well said.
1: Let's get into our CBS sports pick'em for the week. And our top three. I'm beginning to think there's some conspiracy here. <laughs> um, I'm not sure, but it looks like JT is first, who happens to be a very good, a childhood friend of yours, right? right? Absolutely family. And yep. Misty is second, which is your wife.
0: Yeah. And then your third. I'm seeing a pattern here. You know, our, our family had a good week in picks. Now, we've had some bad weeks in picks, but we had a good week in pick, picks this week. And, you know, even though we had a good week, you still got to give props to overall, Zach is still in first place,
1: <laughs> doing his best. I like how you moved on very quickly. <laughs>
0: doing his best Georgia, as we've said in the past. Matt Hollis, I guess, is doing his best Alabama. Is that coming in second all the time, is that... <laughs> We would say A&M, but, you know, <laughs> and then... Who's in third place? I'll let you say it. Yeah, Darren Shavers. Uh, oh, there you go. Yeah. I
1: mean, does your son do the sports pick em too? He does. He does. Okay, so next week he'll be in the top three. What well, you know... Do you, your, does your dog
0: do sports pick em too? Well, our dogs, <laughs> our dogs have picked a couple of games, so... All in the family. That's right.
1: Congratulations to all those, uh, especially our own Darren Shavers. That's right. Uh, At doing, least for this week, <laughs> doing very, very well. And plus Vanderbilt won. So
0: it's their first conference win in 26 games. I don't know if yeah, I mentioned you that. Mentioned okay. that. I you mentioned that. I was just making sure. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, before we go into our picks for this week's game, let's pause for this week in sports history.
0: November 16, 1957, the Oklahoma Sooners lost 7-0 to the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. This was the first game the Sooners lost since the 1953 season, ending a record-setting 47-game winning streak. The closest challenge to the streak was 34 wins by the University of Miami during the 2000, 2001, and 2002 seasons.
1: Oh, thank you. Let's make our picks for this week. We take games from the SEC as well as the Big 12, and we each have 30 seconds to explain who's going to win each game and why they think they're going to win each game. So let's jump right into it with Florida at Vanderbilt.
0: Darren, who wins and why? Well, you know, obviously, anytime Vanderbilt is playing at home, there's a home field advantage Oh, wait, no, that's not true, and even Vanderbilt fans know that. I have a little bit of hope as a Vanderbilt fan because Anthony Richardson at any moment could actually forget that he's a quarterback and that he has to throw the ball. Uh, so there's always an outside hope. But that being said, you know Florida's averaging 438.9 yards a game, and, and Vanderbilt's defense can't do anything about that. Florida wins. Yeah,
1: I think uh, Florida, I agree with you, Florida is trending upwards, and I, I think they're going to come out with the victory. Moving over to the Big 12, and we're looking at – TCU, number four-ranked TCU, going to Waco to to face the Baylor Bears. Baylor coming off a really bad loss to Kansas State the week before. Who you got here, Darren?
0: Prior to that loss, I think I would have given Baylor a a little bit more of a shot because of Dave Aranda. And Texas did show, in spite of how offensively poor they looked, Texas did show that TCU can be throttled a little bit by a good defense. But – Baylor is not giving me any hope. TCU is not giving you any reason to doubt them. I think TCU wins. It, it's a tough one. Uh,
1: part of me wants to say, you know, Dave Aranda is going to find a way to pull yep, out the yep. biggest victory of the year for Baylor. They're coming off a of horrible loss. Does TCU have a letdown after the Texas game? There's mm-hmm. a couple of factors to consider, but at the end of the day, looking at the statistics from Baylor's horrible effort in losing 31-3 to against Kansas State, I just don't see it happening. TCU wins. Staying in the Big 12, we have the 19th-ranked Kansas State Wildcats, who, as we just mentioned, soundly beat Baylor last week, traveling to Morgantown, where West Virginia is coming off their first-ever victory over Oklahoma in Morgantown last weekend.
0: That's pretty incredible.
1: Neil Brown's on the hot seat. Will his team respond? Darren, what do you think?
0: Boy, as much as I'd like to say for Neil Brown, I believe his team is going to respond. I just don't know how much they can respond (laughs) against Kansas State. You know, Kansas State is really, uh, they continue to do great things rushing and passing with over 400 yards per game. I believe Kansas State is going to roll in this game, and they beat West Virginia. Just a side question, who would you put in a quarterback
1: Kansas State. The backup seems yeah, to do as well I, as Martinez. I,
0: you know, and, Will and Howard. I don't think, yeah, I think that's right. And and to me, I think that as long as you've got Deuce Ball and running, I, I think he can open up a passing lane for anybody but the way he runs. So, I think it's an either-or.
1: Speaking of backup quarterbacks, West Virginia's got a pretty good one who <laughs> oh, showed up big yeah, time last he week. He sure did. So, I was looking for a sign, you know, who do I pick in this game? And the NFL had a game this weekend in Germany. Well, that's and right. The whole crowd started singing Country Roads, and I thought, there's the sign. I think West Virginia is going to beat Kansas State. Neil Brown lives to fight at least one more day. Let's go over to uh, the SEC, where the number one-ranked Georgia Bulldogs are coming into a big-time... Well, (laughs) maybe a few weeks ago, it looked like a big-time matchup. looked like. (laughs) But... They're not going to Lexington to play basketball. They're going Mm -hmm. to play the Kentucky Wildcat football team, which is not in a good spot right now. No. So, Darren, do
0: I need to even hit the timer? (laughs) Who wins here? (laughs) Kentucky, you lost to Vanderbilt. Okay? Uh, and, And that really is all that needs to be said. Bottom line, Will Levis has not at any point this season looked like the first rounder that everybody talked about going into the season. And even if he did, it still wouldn't be enough. Georgia wins.
1: Yeah, ditto, Georgia. Let's go back to the Big 12, where Texas, now out of the top 25, uh, traveling to Lawrence, Kansas, to face the Jayhawks, a a team that has exceeded expectations, but coming off a pretty tough loss to Texas Tech. Darren, who you got?
0: You know, it blows my mind that the opening line for this was Texas favored by nine. I, I I don't understand the Texas hype. That being said... I also don't think Kansas can do what it would take to beat Texas. I think Texas wins this game.
1: Yeah, as much as I'd like to pick against Texas and go with Kansas, I I do like Kansas. Um, I'm going to go with the Longhorns. Moving back to the SEC, the fifth-ranked Tennessee Volunteers, who are once again cruising after that one hiccup, are going to Columbia to face South Carolina, and Beamer Ball last week didn't show up in the game against Florida. Any possibility they show up against Tennessee?
0: Okay. If South Carolina's defense has a lucky day and they're able to block six punts and eight (laughs) field goals, then South Carolina has a chance. Outside of that, Tennessee, honestly, might score 60 points for the second week in a row. Tennessee wins.
1: I like the 60 points reference. I I don't think this is going to be a game. Tennessee yeah. is going to run away with this. Yep. Um they are going to continue, continue to do this and put all the pressure on that selection committee at the absolutely. end of the year because absolutely I, and, and I do think they are one of the top 4 best teams in the country.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Let's go to the Big 12 where we have an interstate rivalry. Oh yeah. The Cowboys from Oklahoma State, Stillwater are traveling, what's that? South. Yeah. to to Norman Norman. to face the Sooners. Both teams have been disappointing this year. So, Darren, who wins this game and why?
0: You know, I cannot believe I'm about to do this again, but I am. I know that Cowboys fans are very disappointed because I was all mullet all the time last season. Even with the disappointment that Oklahoma was bent and losing to West Virginia, I think – they can bounce back, and Oklahoma is going to pull the surprise and win this game.
1: You know, I do like uh, the Oklahoma State team, and I think they're going to get Spencer Sanders, their quarterback, back this week. But I think what's going to happen for OU, they got them at home. Brent Venables, the head coach, is going to tell them, basically, this is our national championship game. This is this, is this can help um, with all the pain of this season so far. We can't lose to Oklahoma State, and I do think the Sooners find a way to pull out a victory. That takes us to our Pet Pick'em Game of the Week, which is an SEC game. The 14th-ranked Ole Miss Rebels with their quarterback, Jackson Dart, whose head is still somehow miraculously attached to the rest of his body, <laughs> no thanks to Alabama, Exactly is traveling to Fayetteville where Sam Pittman's had a had a rough year. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. What's the status on K.J. Jefferson? Have you heard? Is he mm-hmm. is he a go for this game? That is still up in the air. Still up in the air. Darren, who wins?
0: You know, I think even if, if K.J. Jefferson's back, it's still going to be a rough go for Arkansas. It's just been such a disappointing season on so many different levels. Uh, the one hope that they have is the fact that Ole Miss doesn't necessarily bring the, a high-powered passing game. Uh, and so that is their one big weakness on defense. So maybe they can stop the run a little bit. That being said, that's a, that's a flyer of hope. Ole Miss wins.
1: Yeah, I've got Ole Miss uh, winning this game. I'm not sure if it's going to be close. Um, Arkansas played LSU tough, so yeah. I think Sam Pittman is going to have his team up and ready to play. Question: Will they respond? Uh, we'll see. But I, I think I think the Rebels leave Fayetteville with a victory.
0: You know, the one interesting point of that game is to go back to last year, to last year's game. You know, that was the game that was so incredible, went into overtime. Sam Pittman went for two, Mm -hmm. and they ended up losing the game. You know, a decision that still to this day we we all still applaud. That being said, I I think that could possibly play a little bit into Arkansas having a little bit more bite for this game, maybe a little bit more – uh, you know they can play the spoiler role. They can get a little bit of a range for last year, so I think that does play a little bit more into the game. But like we both said, I still think it's an Ole Miss win.
1: Yeah, I I, I would go for that if Ole Miss had beaten Alabama. Yeah, I think yeah. like That's LSU going in this past mm-hmm. weekend, it's a trap mm-hmm. game. Yep. But now LSU, uh, Ole Miss is coming off that loss, so they're they're hungry for to get back on the winning winning side of things.
0: And uh, that is our pet pick'em game. So, please send us your pictures. You know, you can send it by email at shavers at gmail.com. You can send it by text, 318 390 3599. Or you can just tag us in a picture on social media, uh, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, on any of those. And we would gladly use those and share those. We love being able to do that every week. Get excited about seeing them come in and, and being able to highlight some. And so, so, please be sure and do that. Well, that takes us to four down territory. Here we go. You're in four down territory.
1: Darren, who's your sure thing pick?
0: Well, I am going in absolute reverse psychology, I'm gonna use everything I can to try to curse Florida. So first and foremost, they're my sure thing pick. Secondly, I'm getting on the Florida train. And just in case that doesn't work, I'm going to uh, say that I'm on the Billy Napier train, whatever I need to do. This is strictly for the sake of throwing out a curse, bad juju, whatever, but I'm going Florida as my sure thing.
1: How about you? What's your sure thing? I, I'm going with Tennessee over South Carolina. Oh, yeah. I, I think that Tennessee would would beat – they'd beat Ohio State. They mm-hmm. would beat Michigan. Yep. yep. Um, they would um, – well, they've beaten everybody except Georgia. You know, yep. I want LSU to be in the playoffs, but boy, they thumped LSU. Yeah. So I, I think uh, Tennessee rolls in this game. Yep. Yep. How about your upset pick? I, I'm going to stick with Oklahoma. Uh,
0: you know, the fact that they're going into that game with Oklahoma State favored by six points – And it being they're being at home in Oklahoma favored by that much as a as a road favorite, I think that'll be a pretty big upset if Oklahoma pulls it off. So I'm going that my upset pick. I'm gonna go with West
1: Virginia. Last week I was very uh, surprised. I I didn't think they would pull out a victory against Oklahoma. You know, with the turmoil in the program, the AD. You know, as of Monday, he's gone. Neil Brown is under a tremendous amount of. Pressure Right yep. now. And, and the word is that he's not going to come back possibly. So, um, but they, those players responded and yes. I was very impressed by the energy and the fight. And I think they're going to bring it again this week with Kansas state. So I think, I think West Virginia is going to pull off the, the upset.
0: Fantastic. There will be, what is it, burning couches in Morgantown? Yes. Why can I not? Have you noticed? I've tried to say that phrase three times across three shows and can't ever say Morgantown correctly. Burning no. Couches in Morgantown.
1: Have you ever been to Morgantown?
0: I actually think I have. How far is that from Parkersburg? I've been to Parkersburg, West Virginia. A couple hours. Uh, then probably not. Never yeah. mind. Because yeah. it was on a it was on a trip with a bunch of people, and there wasn't just a mill around. So probably not. But I've been to Parkersburg, if that well, counts for anything. <laughs> when we start
1: doing remote broadcasts, when we find some sponsors, we'll start go. hitting these college towns.
0: I like that a lot. Do a college town tour.
1: How about your brown bag pick of the week? All
0: right. We don't typically do individuals unless it's a coach as a brown bag pick, but I think my brown bag pick this week is obvious. Desmond Watson, defensive tackle for the University of Florida. 6'5", 415 pounds. During the game last week, he yanked the ball out of the South Carolina running back's hand like that South Carolina running back was a nine-year-old. Just <laughs> pulled it straight out of his hands, pivoted, got about eight yards down the field. And then Spencer Radler, the quarterback for South Carolina, tackled him. That is a brown bag moment. I don't care who it is. If you are a 6'5", 415-pound defensive tackle, you carry the quarterback the next 10 yards. He does not tackle you on first hit. It just can't happen. So that is my brown bag moment you cannot be tackled by the other team's quarterback. at that size, that's almost as bad or even worse than having a long like kickoff return or punt return just for the kicker or the punter to take you down. Mm. Those are things that just shouldn't happen. Come on, Desmond Watson. That's my brown (laughs) bag pick of the week.
1: (laughs) My brown bag was a toss-up between Baylor and Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky with high expectations, losing to Vanderbilt. Um, horrible loss. Uh, Mark Stoops has really been saying, we need more of this, we need more of that, and then you go out and you lose to Vanderbilt. Yes. Not a good look. No. Uh, But I'm going to stick with Baylor. I I was very disappointed, um, probably not more so than Dave Aranda. I'm sure he's more disappointed than anybody. But uh, Baylor has has been trending upward. He looked like the program was going in a good direction, and just that beatdown at the hands of Kansas State raises a lot of red flags. Yeah. How is this program going to respond? Is this program – back on track or is this program digressed so for this week i'm sorry waco but um baylor gets the brown bag pick
0: you know it's interesting last season we spent a lot of time talking about the pirate the mullet and the uh the ninja Mm -hmm. and these this season now oklahoma state still has a possibility of really kind of salvaging and having a better season or at least close to the kind of same season they had last year but for all three of those it's really been a step back yeah. for, for all three of those programs compared to where they were last season.
1: Yeah, and, and that that's a tough one. Um, you know you talk about um, you know Oklahoma State's never been a player on the national stage. Yep. And then um, uh, the Mike Leach at Mississippi State yep. there's been some really good coaches leave Mississippi State because there were better opportunities. Yep. So Mississippi State has struggled to maintain a level of excellence. Yep. And I think he's trying, but that game last weekend—that was a rough game to watch. Yes, very much so. Who was the third one you mentioned? Uh, Oh, oh, the Ninja. Yeah, yeah, and then we already talked about about what's happening at at Baylor. So um, there's still a lot of football left to be played. We have two weeks in the regular season, and then we go into the bowl season. So always a great time. So
0: all football, all the time.
1: (laughs) Keep listening. Thank you for uh, every week being a part of the show.
0: We do have one more thing our post-game quote of the week. Of course, we can't we yeah. can't leave without that. So we talked about Harold Perkins Jr. And during his press, post-game press conference, Brian Kelly was asked about Harold Perkins Jr. And that's when we learned that he had actually had the flu. Brian Kelly actually talks about him getting very, very sick before a team meeting. But the rest of the conversation, or the rest of his answer, is what really made this a post-game quote of the week moment. So let's listen to what Brian Kelly had to say. I don't think there's enough superlatives to talk about this young man as a true freshman um, coming into his own, you can imagine he was, he was awarded the game ball, but um, yeah, He's, uh, <clears throat> he got sick before the game, I threw up and, uh, as we were going into our team meal, uh, team meeting, and uh, you know, I said, hey, you know, MJ threw up when he had his greatest game, and he said, who's MJ? <laughs> I was like, man, I am getting so old. <laughs> And I don't know about you, but that made me feel old as well. Now a piece to that story that hasn't necessarily been talked about as much. And, and, and you shared this earlier when we were talking about it, who was it someone from LSU that said that's just kind of Harold Perkins Jr.'s personality He's kind of a cut up. So he, he obviously is aware of who Michael Jordan Mm -hmm. is, but still, uh, that was a very funny comeback and response. And and for Brian Kelly to bring it up and say, ah, that makes me feel old. We, we do all, as you get older, you do kind of have those moments where you make a reference, mm-hmm. and that's the moment when you realize the people in the room are younger than you because you just have these eyes looking back at you. I, one of my greatest um, dad-fail moments was uh, Ben was in middle school. He was telling us a story about a student council event. that he, and This guy, he came and he spoke to the student council events, and he was a, a motivational speaker, and he used to live – And he was going to tell a story about where the guy grew up. But when he said motivational speaker and used to live, my immediate response was?
1: In a van by the river. In a van down (laughs) by the
0: river. Exactly. (laughs) To which Ben, my son, who, as I said, was at the time was in middle school, looked at me with the most blank stare. And I realized he didn't have a clue what I was talking about, which made me feel old. And made it a very dad-fail moment, because how does he not know who Matt Foley is? That was on me, completely and totally Yeah, on me. I hope you
1: took him online and, and oh. introduced him to the genius of Chris Farley.
0: We were picking him up from that event, so Misty had to take over driving, and we had a YouTube tutorial session to mm-hmm. learn exactly the genius of Chris Farley. But anyway, well, that was a
1: fun quote. For some reason, that just reminded me to send out yet another reminder to Notre Dame Brian Kelly was not the problem. (laughs) Well said. So remember to contact us, uh, connect with us on social media. Uh, Also our text line 318-390-3599. Please. Uh, On Linktree, you can get all of our show notes. Uh, We'd love for you to follow, to like, to rate us when you listen to the podcast. That really helps us out. New episodes drop every Tuesday at 6 a.m., but... You can listen at your convenience, whatever whatever time's good for you, Absolutely. on whatever podcast platform you choose to listen to. Again, thanks for being a part of the show. Uh, thank you for being here, and we'll see you next week.
0: Have a great week. Thank you for making the Brewing Shavers Sports Podcast your go-to sports show. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show if you haven't already. Your feedback is important. Let us know what you think about this week's show. Send an email to brewandschavers at gmail.com or text to our text line, 318-390-3599. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you again for listening to the Brew & Shaver Sports Podcast. See you next week.